Uh, good morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Exodus 14, and uh, so excited about this word today. But before we get there, uh, I just want to kind of plug again uh, the backpacks thing. It's the last week, and um, man, I just um, I know what we've got, which is kind of an amazing number. It's really cool, but I also know what our goal is, and uh, I'll be honest, like we are not like $25 away from our goal. Uh, we are like a lot of dollars away from our goal. And um, uh, I just believe that, man, it's such an amazing thing that we get to lean into some actual people in our community that may or may not ever know the name of Overflow, but are going to get to experience the love of Jesus um, through a $7 backpack. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, $7. Like, um, I spent more than $7 probably at the Waggles this week, um, and I didn't buy gas. Like, that was just corn dogs and, and yeah, I know, I say it weird. <laughs> I call it the Wiggles because I can't pronounce it. So if you ever hear me say that, it's just because I don't know how to say it. But I spent more than seven bucks there this week on like Cokes and and corn dogs, which is weird because I had lunch provided every day. So let's not talk about that. But um, but like for seven dollars, you can get a backpack, a nice backpack actually, full of supplies. And and, and I've texted some of these um, people at these different schools and said, hey, do you need backpacks again? And it's amazing just to hear the response. Yeah, we gave, we gave some of these schools 50 backpacks last year, and they just out the door, like, immediately. Um, and, and the reason for that is there's people around us that aren't blessed like we are um, that, that maybe, like, can't do a $7 backpack. Um, so I just want to say, like, at the end, we're going to have a, a plate back there, um, Carlos or Steve or somebody, if you can make sure that's back there. Um, if you didn't get to give to that or just God speaking to you and saying, hey, uh, I've been generous to you and I want you to be generous to others, uh, I just want to give you one more shot at that. Um, so I'll just throw the number out there. Uh, we are like $1,500 away right now from 300 backpacks, which sounds like a lot. There's been several hundred dollars already given, and I know that this morning maybe we've already got kind of in that direction some more, but... Um, it, it's amazing to me that we get to serve our city in that way. And, um, man, I just I believe that God does amazing things through that. And, and uh, we get to eliminate a barrier for somebody on the first day of school who walks in feeling like I got nothing. In just a backpack, we can say, you're just like everybody else. And that's amazing to me. So, um, anyway, just whatever God speaks to you on that. If we get our goal, that's amazing. If we pass our goal, that's even better. If we don't get it, then God has a home for 200 backpacks or 250 backpacks. But I just want to say out loud, um, I believe in that, and I believe God's working, and I don't want to be part of that. So um, anyway, just a little plug uh, for that. Um, this morning, we're going to be in Exodus 14. And um, anyway, I'm going to pray really quick, and, uh, and you can pray for me. I'm going to pray for us. God, we need you. God, we believe this morning that that you have something amazing for us, that, God, you want to speak to our hearts. God, we know that, um, God, in this room, I've even talked to people this week that are just struggling. I've, I've struggled this week. There's other people that are struggling this week and maybe even months, years of struggle for somebody. And, um, God, we know that um, you want to speak into that this morning and you have a word. And, God, we don't want to get in the way of that. Um, but, God, we also know that, that hearing and agreeing isn't really anything. That, God, this is a spiritual thing. It's not a flesh and blood thing. And we need, like, the, the power of heaven. <laughs> we need, God, you to bless us with the ability to, to hear with spiritual ears and see with spiritual eyes and, and receive with a spiritual heart what you have for us today. Um, 
God, we're not asking for like a, a, a pep rally today. We're asking for you to change lives today. And I believe that you're the God who does that. And I think so many times we, we come to this place and we just expect, like, we just need some music and some message, and that's our thing this week, and we're gone. But, man, this is a miracle that we could be in this place and we could speak to God and God could speak to us and we actually get to come around and we get to worship you. And, God, that doesn't depend on how good anything is. It just depends on you. So, God, today that we might have come in this place looking for less, that you would just say there is more and you would just change our hearts, not for a moment, but for eternity. That, God, you would draw us in and close to you. That we wouldn't just, just do the church thing, but we would come into the presence of God in these moments. Because, God, the, the truth of it is, um, for those of us that, that have seen you, we seek you today. And we want something. And for those of us that haven't, God, that you would just have the ability today to just open our eyes to that. God, we need you. I'm not good enough. We're not good enough. But you can do it. And we believe it. We're looking for it. So it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, man, uh, so Exodus 14. <laughs> Um, last week we started a, a series called The Struggle is Real, and I know that's like a hashtag, like uh, maybe like teenage phrase, um, but, it, but it's so true um, and so relevant that we talk about this in the church. I, I grew up in church, uh, like I think I've been in church probably more Sundays than I haven't, and, and I grew up in, in a, it is a great church, I found Jesus there, so don't hear me knocking that church, but I heard phrases in that church, like if you come to Jesus, um, Everything's going to be okay. And, and spiritually, like, I get what we're saying when we hear that. Maybe some of you heard that same phrase. Um, spiritually, what they're saying is, like, come to Jesus and eternally everything will, will be okay. It'll be better than okay, right? Like, we're going to go be with Jesus one day, and that's going to be amazing. We're going to lock our eyes on God one day, and that, that's going to be amazing. It's going to be more than okay. But as a kid in church, what I heard was, if you come to Jesus, you won't have any problems. Right, like I'm an 11 year old kid. I'm hearing this phrase. I know that coming down here and saying a prayer is a going to get me not in hell, which seems like an amazing deal, right? Like <laughs> I get to say a prayer and then I don't have to burn for eternity. That sounds amazing. What an exchange, right? Like anybody can make that, right? And then on top of that, if I come to Jesus, I'm, I'm not going to struggle. 11 year old mind. That's, that's what I heard. The problem with that is you don't stay 11 forever. And you realize, like, struggle's coming. And as I went into this, this Christian walk and, and just life in general, what I realized is that maybe what I had heard is not true. And then I had to deal with, well, what, what's the issue, right? Because this is what I heard, and I, and I trust what I, what I heard. So am I, am I not saved? Like, because, because I'm struggling, does God not love me? Because I'm struggling, does that, does that mean I'm doing it wrong? Is anybody with me? Like, has anybody ever, like, been there? Like, why am I going through this? And then what we start doing is we start, like, placing that, like, blame on us. Like, oh, I'm, I must have made God mad. I must have done something wrong. I must have, man, it's me, it's me, it's me. Or the, the even worse option there is we start placing that on God well maybe he's not real 
Maybe he, maybe he didn't, maybe he can't do what he says he can do, right? Anybody ever been there? And it all comes not from a promise that God made, but, but a misunderstanding of a statement some man made. But the truth of it is, like, we are going to struggle. Church people, not church people. We're going to struggle. That's, that's reality today. That life is a struggle. Man, maybe nobody here has problems. I, I do. So life's a struggle for me, right? And life's a struggle that's full of struggles. And the, and the truth of it is, like, you don't get out of that just because, you know, Jesus, this is a fallen world and it's full of fallen issues and problems and we're going to a better place where everything will be okay, where there will be no more heartache or suffering or, or disease or, or even tears. But man, we're living in this moment and in, in today and, and the struggle is real. So the next few weeks we're going to talk about that struggle and how God never said we wouldn't struggle. Actually, the Bible's full of stories of people who struggle and deal with things and storms and, and fire and the valley of the shadow of death. Like, the Bible's full of stuff like that, and we don't get excluded from that. And this morning, we're going to talk about that in Exodus 14. So, you know, like seven whole pages into your Bible or something like that. It's not far. Um, but Exodus 14 is a story that I love. It's a story that I've heard probably ever since growing up. If you've ever seen a Precious Moments Bible, like this is in there. It's not in there like this, but like this is in there. And, and up to this point in Exodus, what we see is God has rescued his people, Israel, out of the slavery in Egypt. That he's pulled them out of the suffering and slavery in Egypt. And he did that through a series of plagues. And we could talk about those one day. That's not today, but... Um, he rescued them through this series of plagues. And the, the thing, the promise in the plagues was like, Egypt's going to know that I'm God. They're going to know that it's me. And, and he, he did this through a series of plagues where they suffer. God's teaching them who he is. And the lesson comes through suffering. And, and he calls these people out. And at this point in time in the story, they've wandered around the wilderness for a while. And they've just came um, to... Let me make sure I'm saying the name right. It's not going to matter. I'm not going to pronounce it right, but at least if I read it, right, it'll give me a... Um, Etham, in verse 20, chapter 13, they just came to a place called Etham, and God says in this place, like, you're going to turn around and go back, and that's kind of where we come in. In 14, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Moses, man of God, the, the guy that God uses to lead these people out of Egypt. He speaks to him, and he says, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pihahiroth. I'm not saying it right, but just go with it. Between Migdal and the sea, you must camp in front of Balzaphon, facing it by the sea. So they get to Etham, this place, and God looks at them, and he says, Okay, we're going to turn around, and we're going to go back, and he instructs them to go back, and he says, you're going to go back, and you're going to go almost to this place called um, Pihaha, whatever. Uh, you're going to get there, and that place means uh, the, the mouth or the opening of this body of water. Actually, on a map, looks a little bit like a, a, mouth, a mouth, and he says, you're going to go almost back there, and you're going to camp in between Migdal, uh, which is a place meaning high tower, it's a, it's a mountain range that goes down through there and the sea. 
in front of Balzaphon, which is like a little island out in the water. Now, what's weird about this is this is like the worst plan, if you know anything about this area geographically, there, there could ever be. They get to, I think it's Etham. I keep, there's a lot of names in here. Let's just go with it. Uh, go to Etham, and Etham is a place uh, meaning fortress, and it's kind of a, another area of mountains, and it's a dead end, basically. They're walking through the wilderness. God's leading them, and he leads them to a dead end. Oh, why would God do that, right? Like, and then he says, all right, we're going to turn around to Moses, and we're going to go back where you came from, and we're going to go almost to this area of land that you entered. We're going to go almost to the doorway of this area of land, and you're going to get right in between the mountains and the sea, and I want you to turn around, and I want you to camp facing the sea, looking at this island over there. Okay, that's a horrible plan. Because what God's done is he's, he, he's led them to a dead end, and then he turns them around, and, and he, he tells them to camp in between mountains and the sea, looking at the sea, and there's only one way in this place and one way out of this place. Strategically, like if you're uh, doing a military thing, like this is the worst possible position you could be in because if somebody's coming after you, uh, you can run to the mountains, which is not a good plan. It's going to slow you down and they're going to get you. Or you could turn around, you can run to the other mountains, which they're going to catch you. Or you can run into the sea, which sounds like a horrible idea. And then he tells them to turn around and face the sea. Like, what are you going to do with that? This is... This is what God tells Moses. And then he goes on just, you know, so we know God knows exactly what he's doing. And he says in 3, Pharaoh will say of the Israelites. This is what Pharaoh is going to say. Remember that guy? He's a couple chapters back, the guy that just had you in slavery. Like he's, he's still talking about you guys. And uh, he's going to say to the, about the Israelites, they are wandering around in the land in confusion. In other words, they have no idea what they're doing. They're just wandering around. They're spinning their wheels. They're not getting anywhere. They have no idea what's going on. And then he's going to go on. He's going to say the wilderness has boxed them in, right, the trap. I'm in between the mountains and the sea, one way in, one way out. There's nowhere to go, and Pharaoh's going to notice that. And then he's going to do this. And for it says, I, being God, will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. I'm, I'm going to make Pharaoh then come after you. I've set you up. I led you to a dead end. I've turned you around. I've put you in this trap. And then I'm sending Pharaoh after you. Sounds like a horrible plan. Um, so that he will pursue them. And then God says this. Then I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians, listen to this, the whole reason we're doing this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. This is the plan that God gives Moses. Horrible plan. Right? Like, this is not, like, don't sign me up for this plan. I don't want this plan. Uh, I'm thinking I'm going somewhere. I'm going to the promised land. It's going to be awesome. And then there's a dead end. And then, on top of the dead end, God tells me to turn around and go back where I've already come from. That's backtracking. Nobody likes backtracking. And then we get to a place of, like, strategic disadvantage. And then he says, I'm sending an army after you. And he doesn't even tell them what's going to happen, right? Like, he doesn't say, I'm going to destroy you, and the Egyptians are going to believe in me. I'm going to rescue you, and the Egyptians are going to believe in me. He doesn't say any of that. He just says, this all is going to happen because I'm going to receive glory. And the Egyptians are going to know that I'm God. What a plan. 
we don't like these plans, right? Like this is, if God was just saying this over your life, hey, I just want you to know you're going to go in a dead end, then you're going to turn around, and you're going to set in a place where it's going to feel like you're going to be defeated. But don't worry, I'm going to get glory. And your boss or your neighbor or your friends or your coworkers or whoever, they're going to know that I'm God. You'd be like, hey, just let's elaborate a little. Like, what's going to happen when you send them after me? What's going to happen when the army gets here? Because I'm leaving, right? Like, if Pharaoh's coming and you're not rescuing, like, I don't really know if I care about your glory that much. Sorry, God. I'm getting out of here. But look at what it says. This is crazy. Uh, so the Israelites did it. That's, that's the plan. Hey, you're trapped. Pharaoh's coming. But don't worry, I'm going to get glory, and the Egyptians are going to believe that I'm God. And they, okay, okay. Now, there's a reason he was talking to Moses, because if you look at all the other Israelites, like a lot of them are still grumbling because there's not potatoes in the wilderness. Like, like they maybe don't get it, but Moses gets it. And, and he's like, okay, God, that sounds great. And, and I love what, what he says. He says, I'm going to harden their heart. And they're going to believe. I'm going to harden their heart and they're going to know. And I just, maybe this is a side note this morning, but maybe some of you have been praying for somebody whose heart's kind of hard towards God. The, the game is not over right now. Sometimes God hardens people's hearts so he can soften people's hearts. And I just, I don't know why God does that. And I don't even know how God does that. I just know God does that. And that's right there in 14. I'm going to harden their heart and they're going to know that I'm God. It says in 5, when the king of Egypt was told, this is Pharaoh, that the people had, listen to this headline, fled. Now, if you rewind, what you see is the people of Israel, they didn't flee from Egypt. They were kicked out of Egypt, and they went out in victory because God had just won a massive battle for them. Like, God liberated them, and when they went out, they didn't even swing a sword. These are brickmakers, and they plundered Egypt. Like, they were throwing gold at them. Hey, get out. Take our stuff, right? Like, we just want you to leave. They didn't go out fleeing. They went out in victory, but the enemy, he wants you to hear what he wants you to hear, and what he wants them to hear is that they were running away. They weren't running. God sent them out a different way and he tries to flip the script but but they aren't fleeting but that's what pharaoh says and it says pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people that's a horrible idea right who's going to make our milkshakes like we need we need some slaves uh so the officials changed their mind and, and the people said what have we done we have released Israel from serving us. In other words, they realized, hey, all that stuff that was getting done is not getting done anymore. We're going to have to work, and they didn't like that. That's the God hardening their hearts process. And it says, we have released Israel from serving us. So this is what happens in 6. So he got his chariot ready, one, Pharaoh, and he took his troops with him. So he took his chariot and his troops, that's the armies of Egypt, but he also in seven took 600 of the best chariots and then all the rest of the chariots. I don't know how many chariots there were, but there were at least 600, and those 600 were the best, so six or one maybe, but who knows, right? Like there were a lot of chariots that were coming, and that's not a good sign because the chariot is the most advanced weapon of warfare of this time. Like this is the tank, like they didn't have Abrams M1A1s, they had chariots and they were dangerous and bad, and, and they're, the Israelites are these brick makers, slaves they're not an army they're sitting around staring at the sea knowing the mountains are around them and knowing pharaoh's coming and on the way is this army of people and chariots not a good situation to be in 
And it said each one of those chariots had an officer in it. In 8, it says, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were, listen to this, listen to what God says, going out triumphantly. The enemy's like, oh, they're running. God's like, that is not what's happening today. You are not defeated. You are not running away. You're actually going out in victory. See, God's declaring something that's true, and the enemy just refuses to see it that way. So here's what you need to know. The enemy's going to tell you you're running, you're scared, you're doomed, it's over, you're defeated. But that is not what God says, and God knows the plan, and God has the final word. This is God says they were going out triumphantly. And it says in 9, the Egyptians, listen to this, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his army chased after them and caught up with them as they camped, listen to this, by the sea, beside Pahahaha, right? Pahahiroth, in front of Balzaphon. This is the scene. God says, here's the plan. You're going to go camp in the worst strategic place possible. Mountains, mountains, one door, sea. And I'm going to make you stare at the sea. Because maybe you can get away from the mountains, like one or two of you, but there is no way running into that sea we're getting out of this thing. And then I'm going to send the entire army of Egypt after you, and you're just going to camp there. This is, this is God's plan. Now, what's crazy about that is, like, for us, that's a horrible plan. I got no way out because the way I would go out is the way the army's coming in. The people that are coming to kill me are standing in the doorway, and, and I'm just trapped here. That, that's... I mean, that's pretty much God's plan here, right? The people that are coming to kill me are standing in the doorway, and I'm pretty much trapped here. That's the extent of the plan that we know, other than God's going to get glory, Egyptians are going to believe. So it says that in 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. They, They looked away from the sea for just a moment, and they saw... The Egyptians coming after them, they, they began to look at their circumstances. And it says, then the Israelites were terrified and they did this. They cried out to the Lord for help. Now, that's, that's a good plan. Okay, God, we're doing exactly what you want us to do. What are you going to do? We're going to need some help because the dust cloud coming towards us is full of people with spears. And we don't even got potatoes. Like, we can't even throw them at them. Can't go that way, can't go that way, can't go that way, can't go that way. They're coming, and I don't know what's going on, so God, I'm going to need some help here. That's a good plan. That's a good place to stop and pray, right? Like, I'm doomed. We're a bunch of brick makers. We're not an army, and there comes an army, and we don't have a chariot, and they got chariots, and we don't got horses, and they got horses, and we don't have spears, and they got spears, and we can't run to the mountains, and we can't run to the sea. So we need you, God. And so they start crying out to God. And that's it's an amazing thing to do. But listen to what happens in, in 11. Then immediately they, they say to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you took us to die in the wilderness? 
What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So they cry out to God and they immediately start talking about why God cannot do what they just asked God to do. They look up, they see the Egyptians, and they know they're helpless, and they're like, I can't do anything about this, so hey God, if you can do it, and then immediately start talking about how God's not going to do it. And it sounds crazy on the paper, right? But <laughs> I've done this. And if we're honest, you've done this. Because we start looking around at the circumstances around us and we realize, like, there's nothing I can do about this. Right? Like, we've been in those situations where we can just look around and there's like, there is not one thing I can do in this moment. And we cry out to God, but then God, you know, he didn't send a lightning bolt to strike the Egyptians in that moment. So we start talking about how God's not going to come through and he's not going to do it. And we're doomed and we can't get out of this. And then over and over we're having our panic attack and we just can't handle what's going on. And this is exactly what they do in this moment. But the crazy thing about it is we know from the first couple verses, they are exactly where God wants them to be. Army's coming. I'm trapped. And I'm right here smack dab in the will of God. Struggling does not mean that we are not in the will of God. Hard things in life do not mean that we are not exactly where God wants us to be. Actually, even from last week, right? Hey, let's go over to the other side. Jesus' idea, there's a storm coming, let's go get in it. And here, roll it back all the way to almost the beginning of God's word. And he says, hey, there's an army coming, let's go stand in a trap. We love talking about how God leads us through struggles, but we ignore the fact that so many times God leads us to struggles. And when it feels like everything's falling apart, we, we start bailing on God. It's not God who's bailed on us. It's, it's us who's like, man, there's no way we're getting out of this. God, where have you gone? Where are you? What are you doing? And we forget that this is the same God who brought us out of the last place. Right? Like just... Days, weeks ago, maybe, he brought them out of Egypt, and they were like, there's no way we're ever getting out of here. Just leave us alone. There's no way we're ever getting out of here. And then he brings them out of here. And he leads them into another place. And they right back to it. There's no way we're ever getting out of here. There's no way we're ever getting out of here. And it's easy to, like, point fingers and be like, man, these guys are, are, are so dumb. But they're really not. They're just human, and we do the same thing. So I just want to say today, like, no matter where we are, just because you're in a struggle or a situation that you don't like, it doesn't mean that it's not what God has planned. God uses struggles. Struggles are a necessity. It's something that we are going to go through, and we 
we'll continue to go through, but it doesn't mean that God's left us and forgot us. Actually, a lot of times it's his idea. So they start telling God and everybody else why God is not going to come through. And in 13, we see that we have a voice of reason. But Moses said to the people, he, he just says right back, he doesn't skip a beat. He says, don't, don't be afraid. Okay, easy for you to say, like, right? Like, how, how many times has that helped? Somebody be like, oh, don't be afraid. Okay, but I am. You know, like, it didn't stop anything. Here comes more than 600 chariots and the whole army of Egypt. One guy with a stick saying, don't be afraid. That's probably not going to do it for me, and it's not going to do it for you. Um, but he says, don't be afraid. And then he says this, and it's amazing. He says, stand firm. We're not going to run. We're not going to go to the mountains. We're not going to run into the sea. We're going to stand right here. Stand firm. And then we're going to see today the Lord's salvation. He will provide for you today. Listen to this. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. He says, hush. We all need a Moses, by the way, in our life. When we start freak out mode and we're like, oh my gosh, everything's going to improve. We need somebody to just be like, you know what? Like that, none of that's true. All that stuff you just said, like I love you and I know you feel like that, but like none of that is true. None of, none of that's reality. You need to stand firm today because God is going to save you today. Just, just hush and watch. There's like a, a psalm about that, right? Like be still and know. We all know that version, but the, the, another translation is stop your fighting and see. That he is God. Moses is like, I don't know what your brain is saying. I know what the circumstances are saying. I know the mountains are saying, hey, don't come here. And the ocean's saying, hey, don't come here. And the army's saying, we don't want to go there. Like, I get all that. But today, above all those things, what we got to trust more than the mountains and the, and the ocean and the army is that there is a God. And the circumstances, they say run and hide and cower. It says all that. But let me just fill you in on something today. You're forgetting God. The mountains are not bigger than the guy who breathed the mountains. And the ocean is not more powerful than the guy who breathed the ocean. And the army is not more powerful than the guy who formed every one of those guys in their mom's womb. God is in control. And this is God's idea. So just watch and see what God's going to do. Man, that's, that's powerful truth, and we all need at times somebody to walk into our life and say, you know what, I know what it feels like today, but God didn't leave you. What does his words say? Friend, that sticks closer than a brother. He'll never leave you or forsake you. I know it feels like everything's against you today, but God is for you today. It's what his word says. I know it feels like the whole world's falling apart today, but God holds the whole world together in his hands. Like, you're not going anywhere and he calls him in that moment to quit looking at the mountains and the ocean and the army and quit looking at all the reasons God can't and look at the reason God can, and it's just that he's God. And we all need that. But what I love about this even more is like that verse runs out the entire plan that God told Moses. 
This, this is the extent of what Moses knows in this moment. Moses doesn't know any more plan than this. He has no idea how God's going to rescue, how God's going to save, how God's going to come through. But here's the truth. He may not know the plan, but he knows God. And in these moments when everything feels like they're falling apart, what we need more than anything is not God to reveal his master plan to us, but for God to reveal himself to us. See, he doesn't need to know the plan because he knows the God of the plan. And what he knows is, like, God loves us, he rescues us, he saves us, he's for us, he's fighting for us, he brought us out, and he didn't, br- he didn't bring us out to destroy us, he brought us out to lead us to the promised land. It's all in the promise, and he says, this is God. And the sea doesn't change who God is, and the mountains don't change who God is, and the army doesn't change who God is. Like, God is who God is. It's his personality, it's his DNA, and, and he starts speaking to, I don't know the plan, but I know God. So he says, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know there's a God that's going to make it happen, and he's going to rescue us. It's what he does. Watch and see. In 15, it says, the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. Tell them to take their tents apart, to pack up. We're, we're leaving. <laughs> Where are we leaving to, right? Like mountains, mountains, army, ocean. Where are we going? Tell them to take the, the, the camp apart. There's an army coming at you, and we're not training. We're not, like, doing the whole Mulan scene, you know, like <laughs> none of that. We're taking our tents down. and going to beat them with our tent when they get here. He says in 16, as for you, here's here's the plan for you. Lift up your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on on dry ground. What? Like we've read this, right? Like this is the precious moments of the Bible. We know this. But like imagine like you're Moses and like God's like, hey, you're just going to walk over to the water and just, you know, like. And the water's going to peel back, and and they're going to walk through on dry land. Like, that's a crazy plan, but God had them facing the plan the whole time. They were always moving towards the plan of God. God didn't even tell them the plan, and they were already facing the plan of God. He said, hey, I want you to go, and I want you to stare at the water because something's going to happen in the water. You don't need to look at the army because the army, it's never going to get to you. You don't need to look at the mountains because that's not the way I've chosen. Stare at the sea, the most impossible thing, the, 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 the way that, like, there's no way we're going out. Stare at that guy. And when the time is right, I'm, I'm going to tell you what to do. I need somebody to hear that. When the time is right, I'm going to tell you what to do. Not when your time is right, but when God's time is right, God's going to tell you what to do. You just need to make sure you're listening and facing whatever God's about to say. So he says, just, you know, just do the thing. He says in 17, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians again so that they will go in after you. They're they're going to follow you all the way into the ocean. And it says, I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army and his chariots and his horsemen. I'm going to get glory out of the enemy. The thing that's coming to destroy you is going to be the thing that's going to give God glory. He says, this is true. The Egyptians, they're going to know that I'm the Lord. When I receive glory through Pharaoh, 
his chariots and his horsemen. I, I told you I was getting glory. In 19, it says, Then the angel of the Lord who was going in front of the Israelite forces, he was leading them around in this cloud of smoke by day and fire by night. He, he moved and he went behind them. He was leading them and now he's going to defend them. He says he moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and he stood behind them. And it came between the Egyptians and the Israelite forces. The cloud was there in the darkness, yet it lit up the night. So neither group came near the other all night long. Can you imagine? They, they got this close to the Israelites. Like here's this, it's night and here's this cloud of like fire and we can see the faces of Pharaoh. Like the only thing separating them from the enemy at this point in time was God. God let them get close, but he never let them destroy them. He said, I want, you to, I want you to see up close and personal what's coming against you because I need you to know when you're telling this story, we're not going to be talking about the army. We're going to be talking about the God. So they're standing there. Moses is doing his thing over by the water, and they're looking at this, and this whole time God's defending them. He's not going to let them be destroyed. And it may feel like whatever's coming at you today is getting close, but there's a God in between you. This is so Moses, he stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land so that the waters were divided. Only God can do that. And it says, the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. Can you imagine that? It used to be the bottom of an ocean, and God's just turned it into, like, the middle of the desert. Like, it is dry at the bottom of the ocean. They're not even getting dirty as they walk through this place. And it said, the waters were like a wall to them on the right and the left. It's like the most amazing aquarium. In 23, it says the Egyptians set out in pursuit of them. Now, this is crazy. Like the people walking through it that know God, that's crazy. But the people following them that don't, that's like even more, right? Like here they come. They're like, if they can do it, we can do it. And the Egyptians set out in pursuit. And Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen all went into the sea after them. And it said, during the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud. Then he threw them into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve. The thing that we were most afraid of now is the thing that's helping us on our way out. And he made them drive with difficulty. And this is what's said. Let's get away from Israel. The Egyptians said, why? Because the Lord is fighting for them against Israel. Egypt. Here's this army coming after these brickmakers, and they're not afraid of them. There's no enemy, right, that's afraid of you. It's not your power, your might, your ability that's going to save anybody, including yourself. There's nothing Moses could do that would 
make the Egyptians turn around and run. Like we talk about Moses a lot in this story, right? Like the precious moments is Moses walked out and he divided the waters. Moses did the thing, the miracle come through Moses. No, Moses was just a tool in the hand of God who was about to do a miracle. He allowed him to be involved in a miracle, but he was not the miracle. And he had no ability to make a miracle. He was a man with a stick. A stick that, by the way, he already had when he met God. God says, what's that in your hand? A stick, that'll be, that'll be enough with me. What you got is already enough in the hands of God. God doesn't need to do anything. What's in you is enough in God's hands. What Moses already had, God used to rescue the people out, lead them through the wilderness, and then lead them through the water. What you already have is enough in the hands of God to lead you out and through. And the enemy today in our life and the situation and the circumstance and the storm in our life, it's not afraid of us and our ability, but it is and always will be afraid of God and his ability. So these, this massive army with Every reason to think I can take these guys found there was a reason that they can't take these guys, and it was God. And they said, we got to get out of here because the Lord is fighting for them. And it said, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. At daybreak, and the sea returned to its normal depth while the Egyptians were trying to escape it, and the Lord overthrew them in the sea. The waters came back, and it covered the chariots and the horsemen and the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone in after them. None of them survived. The enemy was completely wiped out. But in 29, it says this, But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them and on their right and their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. And believed him and in his servant, Moses. That is not what we saw happening at the beginning of the story. God's plan initially looked like there was no way out. We were getting destroyed. There was nothing we could do. We were trapped. We, we hit a dead end. We turned back. And then God left us by the sea to be destroyed. That's what the plan looked like in the middle of the plan. But God never leaves us in the middle of the plan. In the middle of the plan, we, we get to say things like, God rescue us and immediately go into, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. But that's the middle of the plan. But God never leaves us in the middle of the plan. 
So today I'm speaking to some people in this room that maybe feel like I'm trapped. I've, I've, I've hit a dead end. I'm, tur- I'm turning steps back. I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing I can do. And I'm being destroyed here. My world's falling apart here. Everything's crumbling here. And I'm not foolish enough to believe that in a room full of people, there's nobody that feels that way. Actually, even in churches where everything's okay and the answer's always, oh, I'm fine, there's a room full of people that are right now in this moment in the middle of a plan in the hand of God. And you can, like, fake it here. We're only here, like, an hour or two. Like, you, you can smile long enough here, but you know, like, you aren't where you want to be right now. And in that moment, what we hear is the enemy saying, hey, there's mountains behind you. Hey, there's a dead end in front of you. Hey, there's an army coming after you. Hey, there's no way you're getting out of this. I've heard that voice. I know that voice. Hey, God, he left you. Hey, God, he doesn't care. Hey, he doesn't see you. Hey, he doesn't hear you. You know that voice? You're forgotten and alone. He doesn't love you. You've messed up. You've screwed up. You're done for. You know that voice? That voice is a middle of the plan voice. That voice is the Egyptians breathing down your neck voice. That voice is a, you guys are confused and you're fleeing and you're running voice. That, that's, the, that's the voice of the other side. And that voice is trying everything in its power to get you to believe that God doesn't care. Because he knows if he can get you to give up before God steps in, that if he can get you to run to the mountains, he can destroy you. And if he can get you to run to the ocean, he can destroy you. If he can get you to run towards the army to give up, he can destroy you. But if he can't get you before you run to God, then he's doomed. I just want to say that again. If he can't get you before you run to God, he is doomed. We talked about the end of the story today, right? The, the darkness, oh, it's trying its hardest. It's coming and it's coming and it's coming. But there is a light that shines in the darkness. And here's the truth about the light today. The darkness did not for all eternity has never once overcome the light. It can't win. It won't win. It's got no chance. And that's reality today. But I get for some of us, it doesn't change where we're at today. Staring at the sea in front of us today, it doesn't change that. Mountain behind us, it doesn't change that. Dead end we just hit, it doesn't change that. Four steps back, it, it, it doesn't change that. But I love what Moses does in the middle of the story. So if you just allow me to be Moses for you for just a second. He looks at all these people and he's, I don't know the plan. I just want to say that to you today. I don't know what you're going through, most of you. We don't share things like that, to be honest, in church. I'm fine. And if I don't know what you're going through, there's no way in the world I'd ever have a shot at the plan. But here's what I can say today. I may not know the plan of God, but I know the God of the plan. I may not know what you're going through today, but I know the God who's leading you to it and through it today. 
I may not know everything going on in your life, and I may not know how you feel, and I may not know what everything looks like, and, and, and I get there are circumstances, and I'm not making light of that, but I'm saying that there is a God who is supreme over circumstance today. There's a God who reigns above all, all the things that maybe are going on in our life today. There's a God who we talked about last week who speaks to the storms even, and the winds and the waves obey. There's a God who, when we're going through the fire, sits down in the fire with us today. There's a God who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. There's a God who says, I stick closer than a brother. There's a God who says that nothing could ever separate you from the love of Christ. There is a God today that's greater than the circumstance today. There is a God today who's greater than than our situation today. There is a God today who's greater than our struggles and our storms. And that God's coming to the rescue today. He is coming to the rescue. The only reason you made it this far is because there's a God who's behind you and in front of you. He's leading you, but he's also defending you today. And he's saying today, hang on, hang on, hang on. When the enemy says it can't be done, it can't can be done. When the enemy says there's no way, there is a way, and his name is God. The enemy today will do everything he can to get you to run, and it makes sense sometimes, but I just want to say in that today, you don't have to know the plan. You got to know the God of the plan. And his character is a character that never changes. His person is a person that you don't get Monday something different than you get Tuesday. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God that led you out will be the God that will lead you through. The enemy's saying, give up. He can't do it. And God's saying, you shut your mouth and you wait and see. I'm going to get glory from the enemy. Because at the end of this thing, I'm going to wad up the darkness. And I'm going to throw it in a lake of fire. Here's the plan today. That thing trying to kill you is that thing that's going to glorify God. I'm going to say that again. That thing trying to kill you today is the thing that's going to bring God glory. That thing trying to kill you today is the thing God's going to use to show everybody around you He is God. That thing trying to tear your world apart today is the thing God's saying. People are going to see the beauty of God through this moment. You just got to hang on. You just got to hang on.